Ah, yes, it's OGP, the One Giant Podcast, where I am your host, Adam Armbrecht, on a Monday as we break down what was a great start in some games, other ones not so much for the NFL wildcard weekend, yet to be concluded. Still one more game on the slate coming up later tonight. That'll be obviously the Cardinals and the Rams. Really, that's an intriguing matchup. Cardinals, I wish they had, of course, Nuke out there on the outside for Kyler Murray, but we'll see how that one plays out. We're going to get into updating some of the coaching candidates, the GM candidates, ties that some of these different players have, uh, different coaches, excuse me, and GMs have to one another. Um, the policy of what order John Mara would prefer to do things in, in terms of the search and the hiring. And then ultimately, um, some new, a couple of new names here, because th there's an interesting wrinkle along the way in terms of the GM search and who some of these candidates may be tied to from a coaching perspective. So we'll break that all down. Um, but First and foremost, Andy and I launched into our playoff pick battle over this weekend. And let's just say the results have been, um, I'm going to call them mixed, right? Why not? Andy having a really strong showing so far. If he can get this one where he took the Rams tonight laying the points, I have the Cardinals getting the points. So depending on how this one shakes out, you could be looking at Andy, I think, hitting on five out of six over wildcard weekend. I'm sitting on two. Uh, got off to a little bit of a shaky start as we run it down. And really, this was fun from, from all sides. Great to be doing a little bit of a battle with Andy. But you get in there the first game where he picked up his first points, taking the Bengals over the Raiders. That was a fun game, an interesting game, an exciting game, right? Two teams. Uh, the Raiders had a really nice search to the end of their season, a fun one. Then we get into what is a little bit of a whoopsie-daisy for Andy and I. We get into that Bills and the Patriots matchup. Uh, we both took the Patriots getting the points, thought this one was going to be a little bit closer, some of that Bill Belichick magic. Ultimately, there's a couple of things here. On the one hand, um, when they say it's going to be bad weather up in Buffalo, you're really you're picturing wind and snow and, and just you know this total mess of a game. And then the game starts and it's it looks pretty crisp, you know. Sure, it's chilly, but nothing really that's going to hamper specifically, say, a player like Josh Allen that uses legs very early in this one. He looks absolutely phenomenal. And from a candidate standpoint, Dable, the uh, offensive coordinator, looked like he figured some things out for Josh Allen in that one. He's been obviously instrumental in the process of making Josh Allen one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So big blowout game. Love to see it for Josh Allen. Love to see it for the Bills. And you love to see it if you're in on Shane and Dable as maybe being this combination. We'll get to that a little bit later, though, um, in the episode. The, the, the game after that, though, as we rolled through these, was the Eagles. Then you get the Eagles and the Buccaneers. We both took the Bucs. It was a blowout. The, the funny thing is that coming into this one, so unlike, I'd say, the Patriots-Bills game, where I thought the, the Patriots were going to test Buffalo a little bit more. And this is a good sign for Buffalo, who struggled. They weren't quite the team we thought they were going to be this season in terms of really dominant, right? Right out of the gates. We thought the last year, the disappointment, you come back, you're just going to blow the doors off the league. They had some ups and downs, but no time like the present to get yourself right as you're looking to go on a deep playoff run. This game, though, Eagles, plucky team, you know, objectively, you know, division rival, obviously, they lose. That has to feel good for Giants fans. But this is a team that I think they overachieved, right? They got themselves into the playoffs, so they accomplished something there. Obviously, Hurts, there's there's questions about him. But I thought you know, two players that Giants fans will be familiar with, Devontae Smith, who some fans wanted the Giants to get in the draft, and then also a guy that I had mentioned when we were talking about mock drafts and where the Giants could look to bring in 
an electric playmaker that can be used in a lot of different ways. That was Kenneth Gainwell. And while the Eagles didn't use them early and often, you still did see them kind of showcase how talented that they can be in this league. And it'll be interesting. There's, that's a nice little young core of players there, depending on how they feel about Hurts, obviously. But ultimately, this was the Bucks looking sharp, coming out and saying, we're looking to go you know, on deep playoff run. We're looking to go back to the Super Bowl. We're looking to defend our title. That was all the sense you got of it. But then, my friends, then we got ourselves the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. And this one gave you everything you wanted. Because you got, we we both took the 49ers getting the points. They went outright. Good for both of us. There's my, there's one of my, there's my second win. Um, but this game had everything that you could want. Uh, again, tying it into the searches for the GMs, for coaches, right? I think for 49ers, defend, the defense as well, right? Everything about what the 49ers did in that game was impressive. And somebody mentioned this on, uh, on uh, Twitter about, if you're looking at the 49ers from a perspective of the Giants, you have to like that this is a average quarterback in Jimmy G. He can pick his spots and make some nice plays. He can also throw an, an inexplicable interception that gives new life to the Dallas Cowboys and nearly cost you in this one. Um, but I really thought both sides of the ball were, were obviously well executed for San Francisco. They suffered a handful of injuries in this one that made it more difficult for them, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. But they get to win. And on Dallas's side of it, again, Two division opponents in the playoffs, two division opponents losing in the first round. I it, It's borderline inexcusable. The, the two parts for me, you come out of this game and you say, you chose to go with 14 seconds over the middle of the field. The idea that in the post game, you're going to try to set this off on referees and communication and what's supposed to happen. I know, the, I know the referee is sprinting from the background there, but Dak Prescott knows. You hand the ball to the official. That's always the way it goes. We always see wide receivers do this after catches. So looks a little bit different maybe in this one because Dak Prescott ran in on this play. Everyone's basically said you could have slid a little bit sooner, save yourself an extra second or two to make sure you could spike it. The referee has to come in and touch it. It looks a little bumbling and fumbling because he tries to push his way and does through the line to reset the ball. But the interesting thing was, you have Dak Prescott, you know, throws a little bit of shade, uh, garbage and bottles being thrown at players, says that's awful, then finds out that they're throwing it with the refs, says that's good for them. Uh, McCarthy, a little bit of basically, you know, dumbfounded excuses. Time management has always been an issue for him. Um, and then, though, you get Jerry Jones, who says we shouldn't have been in a position like that to have to worry about that. And I thought that that's very telling, right? And Jerry Jones looks at this team and says, always says every year, but especially this season, this is one of the most talented teams in the league. We're ready to win now. We brought, we have electric, exciting defensive players, and yet you come up flat in a game like this. So has to be disappointing for the Cowboys, disappointing for Jerry Jones. Be interesting to see what they do. If you had any thoughts, you haven't heard this, so we won't get into it in the coaching and GM conversation, but if you had any Thoughts around what about Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator? You saw some dynamic stuff, including a pass over the middle and then the, the extra pitch there that got some additional yardage for them. Obviously, a very creative offensive mind. I think a game like this makes it all the more likely that they will try to either retain him and pay him extra money or outright move off of uh, Mike McCarthy because you don't want to lose that young mind. You believe in him. You're trying to keep him around to groom him. And I think McCarthy was this stopgap stop talent head coach and if you weren't going to make a deep run if you made a deep run it'd be hard but if you're going to tell me that you go out like you have for years every time you make the playoffs 
I just I don't know how McCarthy you could say is safe. So we'll see what goes on over there. But it was fun. It felt pretty good, right? Dallas Cowboys losing in the first round of the playoffs. That's a familiar thing that Giants fans can all be happy with. The late game, uh, I took the the Pittsburgh Steelers. It didn't work out. 13 points. I just thought, you know, down, maybe down 20 late in the game. Opportunity to go for a garbage touchdown. That It really wasn't too far off from the game script early on when you couldn't have any scoring. When Kansas City wasn't able to score, you thought, are they going to drag them down? The Pittsburgh Steelers drag them down with that defensive play. But as is the case with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, it doesn't matter when they start, they're still going to score 35 or, in this case, 42 points in a game. So that's the way it stands. One more matchup tonight, Rams, Cardinals. We'll see how that one shakes out. Um, So some good games, some good games. And then the blowouts, though, are never really that exciting, obviously. But if you're a Bills fan, if you're Bills Mafia, if you're the Bucks and you want to see the championship, if you're the Chiefs and you've had kind of this shaky season where Mahomes has been figuring out some things about his game, that's exactly what you want to see. Blowouts, let's move on. The first round's not supposed to be a test. It's just supposed to be the starting off point, right? The jumping off point for your successful journey in the playoffs. That being the case, we turn our attention over then to the Giants GM search and what they're trying to accomplish here and a couple of interesting things that have come out. The first thing I'll say is, as we mentioned, the Bills, Dable, Shane, considered to be one of the top candidates for the GM job, the idea of this package deal. Uh, Mayor had said in that press conference coming out of the season and after firing Joe Judge and obviously the retirement of Dave Gettleman, we want to get the general manager ideally done first. And obviously, we'll talk about candidates for head coach, but it's not going to be a package deal. And that's and that's it's, I think, true and genuine in every sense of it, that if you hire GM X, it doesn't mean that they're coming from an organization like the Bills, where you think we have a really talented offensive coordinator that we want to bring with us or a defensive coordinator, et cetera, right? There are going to be GM candidates that maybe either one of two things don't have a particular guy in mind or are not going to be able to bring them with them, right? We're going to get into the 49er side of this in a second, but for argument's sake, what if Shane gets hired for the Chicago Bears where he's also interviewed and he doesn't bring Dable with him? Does that mean that a GM that gets brought into the Giants might not look at Dable and say, hey, I, I love what they've been doing there. I, I have connections with them. As Andy and I have said, there's a lot of overlap with these coaches over their careers. Let's bring him in, of course, right? So it can go any any different way. But I'd be hard-pressed, specifically with the Shane connection, I'd be hard-pressed to think that that isn't an opportunity they would both want to work with and that the Giants would be excited to bring in. So while Mara may not be tied to that idea, I also don't think that that's any indication that he's going to dismiss it or, as some people have said, all these different connections we're going to get into here a little bit, that the Giants somehow are already figuring out who their head coach is going to be. You heard some things about Flores, that Mara likes him, uh, obviously, from afar. Um, The clashes that he had with his GM maybe would be a little bit of a concern. There's some more information on, on that side of it as well, potentially. But then even, you know, you talk about the idea of of liking Jim Harbaugh came out as a rumor. And I'm not saying the Giants like him. I'm just going to do this one quickly because it said Jim Harbaugh finds the Giants opening an, an intriguing opportunity. Now, some people have speculated, is that him trying to get more money out of Michigan? Maybe. Would he want to come back to the NFL? He has a very successful NFL track record. The, the, you know, the, the win percentage is there. But I don't know 
if his personality is necessarily what you want to bring in. And maybe it is, though. And maybe there's maybe there'll be an opportunity here with one of these GM candidates. But as much as Harbaugh even maybe genuinely wants to come back to the NFL, it's hard also to deny the money, right? The, the money that you make at the college level is absolutely otherworldly. And if Michigan does up what they're making coming off a very successful season, I think it's going to be hard to see that happen. And I don't really see a lot of a lot of traction there. The other guy was Doug Peterson. This got thrown out recently. Doug Peterson considered to be a top candidate for the Giants head coaching job. Again, I'm not telling you that the Giants in no way, shape, or form are going to allow the new GM to bring in their guy for head coach, right? They're willing to be open to these things. But I do think that it's incredibly unrealistic to, to say the Giants have head coaches in mind before they have the GM in place. I, I know that it's been a rocky road. I know that John Mara has not always been the easiest guy to, to believe in and listen to when he speaks. But I have to take him at his word that while we don't have any stipulations around package deals, GM and head coach, or you know, the order of which we want to get these things done, ideally it's GM first. I think they're going to stick to that. And once the GM is hired, the discussion around the head coach is going to be driven by the general manager. I, would Mara and Tish say, uh, we, we don't mind Flores. Hey, did you hear about Harbaugh maybe being interested in coming back to the NFL? Sure. But again, if you hire Shane and Shane tells you, listen, I'll interview anybody you want, but the leader in the clubhouse for me is Dable. If by the end of the interviews, it's still Dable, that's who they're going with. So this idea that you would have a GM come in now and then turn around and say, here's three coaching candidates that we want you to pick from. I mean, if that's the way that it goes, then you might as well pack it up because it means that the Giants aren't learning anything from these past experiences and aren't going to be successful going forward necessarily. So that would be my general take there. The interesting one on Brian Flores then is he's interviewed with Chicago, I think, already. Um, there, there are some, there's been some rumors around, again, Mara's interest in him and liking him. The one, the one thing that I thought I did find somewhat, I don't want to say concerning, but you have this come out here that supposedly sources say that Deshaun Watson has expressed a strong desire internally to play for the Giants, ideally with Brian Flores coaching. Now, Flores, we know from Miami, has had his ties, the interest in trading for Deshaun Watson this past season. Ultimately, nothing came to fruition there. Again, not a knock on Flores. If Flores, if that's what Flores is speaking to in these interviews, I think you'd have to take a big step back as a Giants fan because, again, you're still talking about Deshaun Watson who's dealing with a legal situation, and that may get resolved. And we all know, just from a pure talent standpoint, he's one of the top QBs in the league. But I, I just do not see how John Mara, Steve Tisch, and the Giants would sign off on the idea of hiring Flores after you get the GM in then saying, we like Brian Flores, we're going to go with him, and, and Brian Flores wants us to trade for Deshaun Watson. And again, we talked about this with Candace Cooper, and it's not without merit to say, hey, would you think about trading for a player like Russell Wilson? Sure, maybe you would. What's the price point? What does that look like? What does that look like to go get Deshaun Watson? And I'm not saying that you don't figure it out when one of the best QB talents is available for you, but when you take everything into consideration in the state of the Giants cap and some of the decisions they have to make this off season. It just, it just seems like folly to say one, if you're Brian Flores, first of all, 
that if you're going to get an opportunity to be a head coach immediately after being let go, and some people are a little surprised by that, but if you immediately get a new head coaching opportunity, be somewhat shocking to try to force someone like Deshaun Watson onto that organization. We'll see. It, it, a lot of times it depends on how desperate an organization is, where they are at their point of competition, right? If you're a team that thinks we bring in Deshaun Watson and we're a deep playoff run team and championship aspirations can start to be thought about. Yeah. Listen, we know the reality. That's how the NFL is. The better of a talent you are, the easier it is to look past the indiscretions. Now, all the things going on off the field with Deshaun have to be resolved first, but we know a highly competitive team is going to be willing to take a look at Deshaun Watson. It's going to come down to asking price and what Houston wants in return, et cetera. But I just don't think that's something that the Giants should be investigating. And obviously, if that was something that Brian Flores spoke to when you brought him in for an interview, potentially, it would give me a little bit of pause. The other thing then uh, that I thought was interesting as we try to just uh, rat out some of these other conversations, there was an interesting thing around the 49ers. So we've all been talking about the uh, Adam Peters, assistant GM, and him potentially taking the role. Going to interview today. And then you're going to start to hear the ramp up of the conversations around McDaniel, right? And is he a mind that you maybe want to see come across? I, I wouldn't be, again, I said I wouldn't be against. I think Andy's a little bit more hesitant on it, though he'd come around, I'm sure. But that's what you're worried about, uh, you're wondering about. What is it going to look like for Peters if he comes in? But the other name that was also mentioned was Rand Carson. And the interesting thing to me would be, how Giants fans feel if you're looking at an organization and you're looking at two levels and saying either one of these guys could potentially be a very strong GM candidate for us. Now, we mentioned on the other episode, there's some world where Peters gets hired as the GM and maybe Rand Carthen comes in as the assistant GM, right? You could be bringing over multiple pieces. But how would you feel if the Giants, quote, miss out on Peters? What if Peters ends up going to Chicago? Does, does Rand end up feeling like a second best? Does it feel like the Giants missed out if they don't get Peters, if that's the guy that they want? If they interview him today and they're blown away by him and they make him an offer and Adam Peters says, okay, thank you, I'm going to need to think about it, and he chooses to go to Chicago. Will you be, you know, will you be disappointed? Will you be concerned if the Giants then go to their second or third option in this? Because from John Mayer's press conference, the way he spoke about it, he said, you know, like we have no shortage of opportunities and candidates and people interested in being a part of the Giants. Okay. So then what does it mean if you can't land your first option, if you don't get your best option? And again, we don't know that it's it's any more Peters than it is Shane. Shane seems to be the leader uh, right now at this point. But what what happens then? That's the curiosity for me. And when you think about Rand Carthen, here's the other one that I want to bring up too, because you've got Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News saying he's a valued branch of the Sean McVay coaching tree. He was the Miami Hurricanes offensive coordinator for two years prior to making the jump to the pros, and he played college ball at Georgia, which is regarded as one of the Giants' favorite uh, pools, talent pools to pull from when it comes from the NFL draft. That's Thomas Brown. He is the assistant coach and uh, running back coach for the L.A. Rams. And there's been some speculation that Rand Carthon, if brought in, would want to bring in 
potentially Thomas Brown. He's already interviewed down in Miami for, for their position there as the head coach. So this isn't just a name out of nowhere. He has a pretty significant track record through college, started at Georgia and worked his way through a number of stops, elevating his profile along the way. Some have said, and you can take this with a grain of salt for whatever it's worth, they regard him as kind of being in that uh, in that Mike Tomlin kind of vein in terms of demeanor, approach, right? His uh, commitment, let's say, to the game. Is that too far down the list? Is that too young, too outside the box? If you went into this offseason saying, we've got the Bills assistant GM, we have the 49ers assistant GM, Ortiz is also considered a very strong candidate out of Baltimore, excuse me. We know what that means. I don't know if it necessarily would guarantee saying, and then it has to be Mark uh, Wink Martindale, who we talked about. And if that was the case, I, I think maybe you would feel differently about it. You know, we talked about these things just quickly in tandem. But if you just hired Hortiz and then you went in another direction for a head coach, that would that would make me feel different about it. I might not love the idea of it being Hortiz and then he wants Wink Martindale and that's the direction you go. It's neither here nor there. Ryan Poles has also been mentioned. Strong candidate as well, right? Would that mean the Eric Bieniemy connection or would he move forward with someone else? So the, from the GM perspective, there's a lot of opportunities there. But if you walk into it and even throw those guys in there, you say we have assistant GM Shane and we've got Hortiz and we've also got Peters and we also have polls. And these are the, the four very strong candidates. And then we've also interviewed guys and maybe to a slightly lesser extent or lesser level as far as profile, a guy like Rand Carthen, right? A guy like uh, Adrian Wilson. Now you've, you interview these guys. If those, those are your top four there. And, and if you don't get one of them and then it's Carthon and then he says he wants to bring in a guy like Thomas Brown. I wonder, I wonder what Giants fans' reactions will be to that. Because for me, and I said this with Andy, you do you do want to be willing to commit to whatever best process, best practice you think you have in mind, right? I, th does it mean that I know everything about Thomas Brown and I'm super excited about him? No. Does it feel a little bit different when you examine the Rams and Thomas Brown versus examining McDaniel and the 49ers? 100%. For me, 100%. We know what a high-profile head coach they already have there in San Francisco, but McDaniel has been a part of that process. And I think on a game-to-game -game basis, you can go and watch and say, hey, he took Jimmy Garoppolo and that offense that suffered a lot of injuries and made it work and found ways to have success. And you're looking for the balance on both sides of the ball. But I'd say clearly McDaniel has a higher profile, at least from general, you know, general population perspective. But but is Thomas Brown not worthy of an interview? And and if he comes in and really knocks the socks off of John Merritt and uh, and Tish, does that now ring differently after they said that two years ago? When Joe Judge came in and really knocked their socks off. The one thing that I will say um, is that I I do hesitate around the idea that. You you want to avoid some of these these preconceived notions, right? So the the Belichick connection that that's worn thin a lot, right? Josh McDaniels is there as the offense coordinator. Will he get another chance as a head coach? Maybe. But this idea of of examining coaches based on who they played under, right? And when you think about it, we've talked a lot about these guys. 
Dable, I'm, I'm talking about Dable in the offense. I'm not worried about who he's played under. The GM connections and the overlaps of ties is important. But I don't care about who he played under. I'm, tr- I'm trying as best I can to examine what they've accomplished. Because when you start to say, well, he was there in, in New England, right, Brian? Now, even Brian Flores, I'm looking at what he accomplished in Miami. I'm not, I'm not even acknowledging that he played for the, that he worked with the Patriots because saying that he did, it's actually kind of a bad thing for the most part, right? There's a long list of, of head coaches that have not succeeded coming out from underneath Bill Belichick. So I'd rather not get bogged down in this. Oh, well, what tree does he come out from underneath? All I care about is whether or not they've had a track record of success at, at what they've done. And if I think they can implement a successful system for the New York football giants. So we'll see. Some of these things, like the Deshaun Watson piece, I dismiss. Some of these things, like Harbaugh, I tend to dismiss. Even the Peterson one, I I, I tend to dismiss just because it kind of came out of nowhere. And at the very least, you can't tell me he's one of the top candidates. I think guys that have ties to some of these GMs, you could consider that being a viable option. So they'll wrap up with Peters today. We'll see what happens uh, as far as any information or news or notes that come out. We have the additional wild card game later tonight. I kind of need it if I'm going to be respectable coming out of this wild card weekend. Andy could be up five to two potentially if uh, if he wins this one. At which point, I guess we're swinging for the fences. Second round of the playoffs, two points per game will be on the line. I'm going to have to kind of go against Andy and a couple of them. It's a real it's a real delicate balance here. So as as I know, everyone's concerned. You can follow us on YouTube, obviously, been ramping it up. We really appreciate uh, the new subscribers, anyone getting in on the comments. Hit us up with with your thoughts. We had, I'll I'll leave it in the show notes, uh, the fan that that said he's in an orientation right now. He has a connection to uh, Paul's father who said he's going to be getting set up for that interview. I think he did just yesterday on Sunday with the Giants. He might be a hot candidate, could be going the Kansas City route. So, you know, listen, dive in on those comments. Give us your give us your perspectives, and we love to hear from everybody. You can also follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get those podcast needs fulfilled. And, of course, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know, as always, let's go Big Blue.